Isn't God good? He is faithful. He is always there. And um, I remember when Debbie sent us the message, I'm like, she's like, I'm going, I was sitting there and Sarah sent, showed me the message she sent. I said, okay, here we go. I said, I'm, I, and then, um, you know, I'm messaging her, I'm messaging Eric back and forth. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm, so I hop on my computer, I'm digging out all this stuff. I'm like, okay, we're going we're gonna to fight this. It's not, and the great thing about, the body of Christ is this, is when somebody's going through a struggle, they don't go through it alone. We, we join together when we fight for that. When we come together with prayer, it's not just one person. God says he hears us when we pray, but when there's an overwhelming amount of people that are praying, he's like, wow, it's becoming distracting because they're praying for the same thing. And he has, and he's like, I was working on something else, but they're getting a little uh, loud over here. I want to focus on this because he's not going to just... He's like, he's listening to us and he's saying, man, she's praying, he's praying, they're praying. He's like, I got to go into action in this because we're interceding for him. You know, and, and Jesus is up there interceding going, hey, God, uh, you see all them? They're all focused on the same thing. Let's, let's get this. And he's interceding for us while we're interceding for other people. So, um, all right, there we go. Okay, so Merry Christmas. I want to just let you guys know that we love you and um, we just appreciate you guys. You guys are an amazing church family. Um, how many of you guys know that the Bible is full of prophecy? Yeah. Prophecy is from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Um, what people don't understand is prophecy is still current today and it is functioning today because when... The scripture says you shall live and not die. That is not just a, an encouraging word. That is a prophetic word over his life. And, and when, we, when we say that today, when we quote that scripture today, it is a prophetic word over that person's life at that moment. It's not just, well, we feel like it's going to be. And we, it's not a, 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 a scripture is not there to make us feel better. If it, were, if it happens, that's great. But that, that scripture is there to, um, to release something into our life to release that into our life. So we look at the Bible and, and prophecy started in, in Genesis and, and was all the way to, to Revelation. But um, I want to talk to you guys today is, is we, we, we sang in those songs that said, O come Emmanuel. And Genesis is the beginning of, 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 of creation and man is there and God is there. And, and what we see in Genesis is we see Abraham and, and Isaac and, and Jacob. And what happens is, is Jacob goes into Israel. And, uh, or excuse me, Joseph goes into I Israel, or goes into Egypt. And then his family comes to, to live with him. And once Joseph dies, though, there's this weird transition in leadership. And Joseph is no longer, um, Joseph is no longer head of, of Israel or second in command of Israel like he was when Pharaoh was, was alive. And so his family then with, you know, 12 brothers and, and, and all their family and different things like that, they're, they're, the entire nation of Israel is located in Egypt. And Egypt's, uh, we'll just call it regime changes. And they say, hey, there's a lot of people that aren't Egyptians. We need a lot of help building these weird buildings. Um, let's use, let's uh, enlist their help. Let's just put it that way. And so Egypt takes all of the, 
Israelites as slaves. And they're looking for deliverance. For 400 years, they're looking for deliverance. And what's funny is, is this, is even before they were looking for deliverance, the prophecy that Christ would come was even there. Genesis 9, this is before they were enslaved as slaves in, in, in Egypt. The prophecy that Christ was coming was even there. Their deliverer was promised before they were even captives. So I want to read this to you. I'm going to, I'm going to go over this a little bit. Some of the prophecies that, about Jesus foretold. And, the, and this is just um, his birth and who he was. Not, not all the things that he would do, but just his birth. So Genesis 9.26. And, and this is, is going to build, so if this verse doesn't make sense, it will in a couple minutes. Genesis 9.26, it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So this is showing that he's going to come through the, the branch of Shem into the world. And then in, in Genesis 12, it says he's going to come through the seed of Abraham. So we, we look at Christ, you know, we think, oh, well, you know, they, Isaiah foretold what he would do. And, and, but you know what? There wasn't a, God had a plan for salvation. God had a plan for us even before the prophets prophesied what he was going to do. Because God had, God had planted seeds in his prophets and given them divine revelation of who they were. Because you know what? Who wrote Genesis? Abraham wrote Genesis. Abraham wrote Genesis under the divine inspiration of God, and he was a prophet before the word prophet was used. And so you look at Genesis 12. Bear with me today. We're going to be reading a few scripture verses here. All right, so we've all heard this verse before. This is a very common verse. And I'm going to actually start... um, with verse 1. It says, this is the call of Abram. This is before he's changed Abraham's name. He's calling him out of a place that he is into a place that he wants to take him. He says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And the Lord, excuse me, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And then in verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and in, in him who dishonors you I will curse. And then it says in this, in this last part, it says, in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a, a, a small bit of prophecy that through Abraham's obedience in his family, that all families of the earth will be blessed. And that is, is referring to Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God coming to earth. And then in Genesis 17, he talks about how it's going to go, come through Isaac. And Jacob, his son, is going to be... One thing we got to learn about Jacob is... Jacob wasn't exactly the most upright guy. Wasn't exactly the most friendly, you know. Wasn't, he was not on the up and up when it came to a lot of his uh, dealing. So let's just put it that way. But in Genesis, it talks about how Isaac's son Jacob is going to be the lineage of Jesus. 
And then he's going to, and then in uh, Genesis 49, he says he's going to be through the tribe of Judah. And what's really cool is this, is Isaiah 11.1, 1, he says he's going to be through the family of Jesse, the tribe of um, family of Jesse, which I'm going to explain this to you. Um, priest comes to find a new king. Saul is not. God tells, um, basically knows that King Saul is not going to be a good king. And, and so the, the high priest comes to, um, prophet comes to uh, Jesse's house and says, hey, God told me that one of your sons is going to be king. He says, gather your sons together. So he gathers them all together and he, he's walking down the row. No, no. Is that the one God? No. Okay. He says, do you have any more sons? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I have. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I forgot about David. He's out tending the flock. And so he says, call him here. And he calls him here and he says, oh. And as soon as he walks up, he's like, well, oh, that was the one I was looking for. I'm paraphrasing this and I'm using what he was thinking to, you know, like, well, you forgot you had an extra son, you know, I mean, who forgets about that? But what I want you guys to realize is this, it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you forget, you know, are you my kid or are you, my, you know, um, but so David shows up and Jesse is standing there. He said, oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about David here, you know, and what I want you guys to understand this, it says through the family of Jesse. Most scholars believe that David was born out of illegitimate relationship. He was not part of Jesse's original family of sons, and they believe David was, was excuse my language, but a bastard in those terms. And I'm not trying to be mean or cruel, but that's what the definition that they would have given him. He wouldn't have been um, able to take over the family um, the, inherit, inherit anything because he was illegitimate. But it says in Jeremiah 23, 5, it says he will be through the house of David. How God used an illegitimate relationship, an illegitimate child to bring in the Savior of the earth. What's funny is, is this, is how God used a man who had a, a, a relationship with a woman he shouldn't have had, but that woman bore the David who then the line of Jesus came through. So God used those things. He used mistakes, wrong choices to bring in the Son of God. I want you guys to turn there. Turn to Jeremiah 23, 5 for me. Jeremiah 23, 5. This is a, the, the chapter, Jeremiah 23 is a tough ch chapter. It's not just this light and fluffy, you know, oh, Jesus is coming. It, 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 I mean, the first word is woe. I mean, it, it's pretty deep. I mean, it's pretty intense to, to uh, read this. I'm going to start in four. And it says, Jeremiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit from he says, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor shall they be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Then in verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Then I will, I will raise up for David a righteous branch. So that branch, that righteous branch is referring to Jesus Christ. 
and he shall reign as the king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And in this name in which he will be declared, the Lord is our righteousness. You know, we, we so much focus on, you know, eight pound, six, eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus who comes in in the manger. And I'm just making up numbers here, but um, that's a big baby. Um, but God doesn't do anything small either. So I'm just saying, <laughs> um, but God chose through the line of David how to send his son. You know, we always think, you know, we think Mary, you know, the angel came to Mary. She's just like, oh, thank you. Can you imagine the, the, the fear that came upon her at first? You know, the, that like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you're saying I'm going to be pregnant. I'm not married. Um, but then the Holy Spirit came on her and she's like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. She could have said no and walked away, but the Holy Spirit w- came upon her and she knew that this was what was chosen. So Micah 5.2, it actually talks about the place of his birth. We're talking hundreds of years before there's even an a, a, a inkling of him coming. So Israelites are 400 years in captivity waiting. They think, you know what? We're going to get a, a, a deliverer that's going to come in and, and God is going to come in and deliver us. And they think God is going to come and do that. But what we see throughout the Old Testament is, is people set into place to, that are, are representations of Jesus Christ coming. Moses delivered the people from Egypt. They had deliverers in their judges. They had deliverers in their kings. And, and it was recognition, you can see, if you really study it out, there's a, there's a book called The Crimson cord and there's a a fine line that runs through the entire bible that leads up to jesus christ coming into the world isaiah 7 14 talks about how he will be born from a virgin just saying it doesn't happen every day so these prophecies are are if you don't if someone said to you you know, right before Jesus was coming. Oh yeah, by the way, she's gonna be, he's going to be born of a virgin. You're going to be like, did you drink new wine out of an old wineskin? I mean, you're like, you're like, what are you talking about? Because the concept of this, this list is impossible to orchestrate in human mind. But God, who is, is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-seeing, he, he wove that thread through the entire Old Testament to, to bring it to the point where Jesus came to earth. Turn to Isaiah 7 for me. I want to go over this real quick. 7.14. Starting in verse 10, it says this. It's the sign of the Emmanuel. This actually foretells his cousin John the Baptist, who, who is a forerunner for him to prepare the way. Starting in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the, of the Lord your God. Let it be deep in Sheol or hi, as high as heaven. 
But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to test. And he said, here then, O house of David, confirming it again. It, is it too little for you, two weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Everybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Isaiah is, is prophesying about the, the coming of God and, and that he is not something that is far off. Because in the Old Testament, God was far off. He came to people in signs of like the burning bush and, and different things like that. But God was far off. He was always distant. But he said, therefore, the house of David, he will come from the house of David, a virgin will conceive and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will be present with us. And he says, it's not just the name he will be given, it's the divine name that he will be given. Isaiah prophesied what his name would be. This wasn't just a name. His name was Jesus. But the divine name that God told Isaiah was Emmanuel, that he is God with us. Not, uh, not off in a distance, but God present with us, walking with us. And then in Psalm 72, 10 through 11, it tells about the presentations of gifts that would be given to Jesus. So this is David, who is a far descendant of Jesus that's coming through his line that's writing what is going to be presented to him at his birth. And then in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah prophesies the massacre of children that's going to be after Jesus' birth. And we're talking hundreds of years. We're not talking like, you know, 20 years before this. Jeremiah is prophesying in 31.15 that there's going to be a, a great outcry, a great wailing and weeping because of what is going to happen. Because the king sees that there's a Messiah being born, that he, that he is going to be the king, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to destroy that. But the divine purpose of God was to wake Joseph up in the middle of the night and say, night and say, take your family to Egypt, flee. So in Hosea 11, 1, he says, you know what, get up. He says, uh, Hosea prophesies that God is going to tell you to go to Egypt. So 400 years before Christ is even, even thought of by humans, He's prophesying that he's going to go to Egypt. And then once it is safe for him to come back, they prophesy in... Um, where? Sorry, I just lost my notes here. There's a lot of scripture. I, I, had to write all, I had to get all this down, otherwise I wouldn't be able to keep up with that. And then in Matthew 2.23, it confirms the residence of, uh, of Nazareth. Joseph is born, goes to Bethlehem, leaves, goes, goes to Egypt, stays there for a couple years until it is safe, comes back to Nazareth, which was 
prophesied that he would be from Nazareth. And Joseph goes, oh, by the way, I think we're just going to... Here's the thing. We don't understand. We, we always think, well, I'm just going to do this. I think it's a good idea. And it, it turns out to be a good idea. I don't think Joseph said, God, where are we supposed to live? You guys ever done that? God, where am I supposed to live? We take residence where we're, where we're at a lot of times because, oh, it was a great deal. Or this, uh, God orchestrated us to move under his influence, whether we realize it or not. Joseph didn't say, okay, Lord, which, which city do we need to li- live in? I don't think he did that. So God, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, guides Joseph and Mary to the spot that he wants them to live in to fulfill the prophecy that says he will be from Nazareth. Isaiah 53. So the gifts that were presented to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold's not cheap. Frankincense is not cheap. Myrrh is not cheap. These were gifts. They were, they were gifts, but they were also prophetic gifts. So a lot of people, want to, they talk about, well, Jesus grew up in poverty. And I want to dispel that because, and don't get me wrong, the, the gifts were given as a symbol, but they were also given as a gift to help take care of the family. And in Isaiah 53, it says, He who has believed what he has heard from us, and and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that, that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by, man, by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As for one, excuse me, and as for one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So a lot of people describe that as poverty, but it wasn't this. Is that what it was is that Jesus was not recognized as someone. You know, when we think of somebody who is going to, um, in our culture, we always think of celebrities. We always think of people who are, you know, when we're trying to, uh, we want to put a face to something, we say, okay, we're going to find the best looking person and the most well-spoken person that we can find and shove them in front of people because it makes us look good. I'm, I'm very familiar with branding and what they tell you to do in branding is you find someone who is well-spoken and who is super uh, congenial and you shove them in front of people because people want to, when you want to buy something, you want to find, you're not going to buy, buy something a beauty product from the hunchback of Notre Dame. You're going to buy somebody who's beautiful. You're going to buy beauty products from somebody who looks good because that's what it was. But God used the opposite. He said, you know what? He was, a, he was not, there was no majesty to him. He was a common looking man because God didn't want the followers. to. Oh, he's just the, he's the most well-spoken, beautiful person I've ever met in my life. We follow people that way because of our fallen nature. But God said, you know, I'm going to make him so that he is not something that people go, oh, well, you know, it's, yeah, that's a good looking guy. I mean, we, he's very charismatic. We should follow him. It says that he was not esteemed by men. He spent most of his time 
out of the public eye. He spent three years in the public eye spending time with people. And Isaiah basically talks that he was not a, a person that you would say, oh, by the way, that's that guy and he's done this. They looked him in and said, Aren't, isn't this the carpenter's son? Jesus walked away from his own, his own area because they could, he couldn't do miracles in that area because he, they were too familiar with him. But God weaved together, threaded together his entire existence and, his enti- and the prophecies before and, and after him of what he would do. But Isaiah 1, this is what I love. Isaiah 1. Isaiah doesn't start out with, you know, prophesying over the, the people of Israel. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get into that. He starts out, Isaiah 1, 1 through 2. So Isaiah is talking about the wickedness of Judah, but he's referring to this. And he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. So in the breakdown of this, what Isaiah is talking about is the people of uh, earth has rebelled against him, but the nature of, of Christ was always to follow the nature of his father. You know, it's funny, we can look through um, the entire Bible and see prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of who Jesus was, what he was going to do, and the result of what he was, what, the result of what he did by his death, burial, birth, death, burial, and, re- and resurrection. And so many times we, we, we lose sight of, we, we think Christmas, oh, no, oh, yep, Jesus came, it was baby Jesus, but Look what Jesus did. He didn't come, when Jesus came, God didn't show up to every king in the entire world and go, "Oh, by the way, my son is born and you will bow to him." He came to men out in the middle of of the field with animals and said, "A king is born. Peace on earth, goodwill to men." He didn't say, "Okay, the entire world's going to be peaceful." He said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. This was the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord saying, peace to you, goodwill to you. I have goodwill towards you. And so God decided that, you know what? I'm not going to come to earth and be a, he's not going to send his son to conquer earth and, and dispose of all the, the Romans and all these other, he said, you know, I'm going to come. I'm going to subtly put him into the culture. And he's going to weave his own thread through culture, starting from the moment he is born, when shepherds who are out with their sheep come to worship him because they know they've seen a visitation by an angel and say, this is Christ the King. He didn't say, that's why Christ was unheard of for 30 years, because God was weaving threads into him, weaving threads into the culture to prepare him for who he was. Jesus was placed in each, one of, each part of this list. He was placed into it because God knew what he was doing. We look at the, the spies when they went into Jericho. Rahab, 
She was a prostitute. But Jesus came from that line. He came from the line of Rahab because God, she found favor in God's eyes. Because she helped his people. And so many times we, we, we tend to, we look at Jesus as our, our, our Savior. He came, he died for us. He, he, you know, he took our sin. But we need to look at our pre- his preparation for coming. Because the preparation for coming, it, it, sometimes it, it, it takes more of that than the final result. But we look at the hope that God weaved through the, the, the word, the scripture in the Old Testament. Every book of the Bible has something that refers to a coming Christ that gave these people hope that their deliverer was coming. You know, the children of Israel cried out for God and they wanted a deliverer, and they got Moses, and they're thinking, Where is my king? And the people that were taken in Jesus' time were looking for a deliverer that would come in with a sword and defeat the Romans. But God said, I'm going to come in and you're not going to know I'm here until I'm here. Because God is subtle sometimes. He doesn't wait for us to be like, oh, well, he doesn't come in and go, oh, by the way, I'm here. He comes in and says, in a whisper, says, I'm here. And Jesus came in like a whisper. And, And his birth was announced by angels, but not a lot of people knew about it. Because God was molding him to become and preparing him through Scripture, we see it, to become our deliverer. Not just the baby Jesus and, and, and Jesus who died on the cross, but he was molding him to become, between those, those 30 years, to become our deliverer, to put into him because he was the son of God and son of man. He wanted him to become something that, w- that when people said, oh, he's the deliverer, but he's not well liked. He's the son of a carpenter. Jesus left his own people because he knew he couldn't do miracles there because he knew that what he was supposed to do was not to reach just his people. He knew he, that his mission was for the, the world. And we look, and when the angels announced, they said, peace on earth. Not peace towards Israel. Not peace towards the Jewish people. It said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Because the, the method that God was using was, if you look through the Old Testament, it was, how do I take care of my people? How do I take care of my... He was taking care of his, his, his own people. He said, Flee from these people. Flee from these people. Don't bring them, them into your group because I'm trying to keep you pure. But then Jesus comes and he says, you know what? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men because God's saying, you know what? Everybody matters. He, Paul said, it's neither Jew, Greek, nor Gentile. Paul is talking that, you know what? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying it's not just my people that matter, it's everybody because Christ came as a gift to the world, not to the Jewish people. And what he, and God is trying to get through to them is, I have sent you my son, but you rejected him. And I think sometimes we get so focused on what God has done 
and we fo- and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's bad, but we get so focused on the the gospels and what Jesus did, and we forget about what God had done before that. And I want you guys to think uh, to remember this is we're thankful for what God did for us. We're thankful for Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us. But don't forget the Father who knitted it all together to send His Son for us. Don't forget about every book of the Old Testament that that refers to a coming Savior and refers to who He would be and what He was going to do. Isaiah talks about that He was beaten for us. He was bruised for us. Don't forget about we, we put the, the nativity scene up on, on the, the wall or on, the, on uh, you know, a cabinet and we look at that and we see Jesus and, and we rejoice in Him coming and we rejoice in the hope that He would bring. But don't forget about the Father who spent His time to knit it through hundreds and thousands of years so that His Son could redeem the world, could set the world free. I was uh, reading the Gospels and, and Mary goes to Martha, her, her uh, cousin. And when Mary walks into the room, what happens? You guys know what? That? John the Baptist, who is still in the womb, jumps because the Holy Spirit fills him. And it was funny because... Um, uh, last week we were sitting here when we were worshiping and, and um, I don't remember exactly what was going on and, and Kaylee Elvis comes up to us she goes, I don't know what was going on but the baby was doing spinning circles inside of me. And, and she's not that far along. She goes, I just felt it. Like the, and, but I, I want you guys to go home and read Luke 1, 46 through... 56. It talks about Mary's song, Mary's song of praise to God after she knows that the Holy Spirit has just impregnated her with Jesus. That's a lot to take in for a young girl. And, um, but this is where she goes um, and visits her. And, and it talks about the, John the Baptist leaping in his mother's womb. But read this song of praise. The the Christmas story, we always read Luke and we're always so excited about this, but read what Mary said about her son, what God did for her and what he was doing through her. Because the history of this helps out with the future of this. Because we're living with Christ Jesus in us now. But read what she did because the joy she had that she knew that Christ was in her and she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. God loves to use people that are less likely to be. You ever been picked last for like sports? God loves those people. He, if you look through time, if you look through the entire Old Testament, everybody God picked was an underdog. He picked David, who was illegitimate. He picked Rahab, who was a prostitute. He picked all these people 
And then Jesus, who's born, he picks all these people. He picks a woman who's been married multiple times and living with a man. And he's like, where's your husband? He knows the answer to that, but he picks those people. He picked that woman, say, hey, give me some water. She's like, you shouldn't be talking to me, I'm Jewish. And, And Jesus says, well, I can give you water and you will never thirst again. I will give you living water. Jesus did what his father did. He found people who weren't exactly the best at what they were doing. Really had poor job choices. And used those people to bring his word alive to the world. But go home and read this. I want to read this one part and I'm going to close. This is the first part in verse 46. 46, Excuse me. Mary says this, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. I want you guys to remember this. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Let's pray.